Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, there is a list of ten sinful lifestyles. There's also a strong contrast. Some believers who had come out of these former lifestyles had come out by genuine faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can't we all say one time or another that such were some of us? Is this not the good news? The believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is washed, sanctified, justified, and stands before God's throne and in His eyes just as righteous and beloved as Jesus Himself. Now this is good news. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we are studying together the epistles of Paul to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's a great chapter where the apostle Paul is, is putting to one side the wisdom of God in contrast to the philosophies and the teachings that the Christian church at Corinth had imbibed from the world. You notice that in the passage six times, he says to these Corinthians, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? Don't you know that we are going to judge the world? Don't you know we're going to judge angels? Don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Don't you know that he would just join to a heart as one body. Don't you know that your body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you're not your own? If you had accused these Corinthians of being ignorant, they would have been absolutely insulted. They gloried in the philosophies of the day, 
which were loose philosophies with respect to sin. Again, I would remind you that Paul is writing to a church in a, one of the most corrupt cities of history, Corinth. Even their religious exercises were corrupt, where they worshiped Venus. And the stories and the incidents about Venus and their worship are not to be mentioned by the name of anybody who loves purity and righteousness. So you understand the situation here. In chapter 5, uh, immorality was in their midst, and they were not even judging it. It wasn't even looked upon as being worthy, worthy of being judged. It shows the effect of the Corinthian society upon the church. And so Paul rebukes them. When you come to chapter 6, it's a matter of going to law one with another. Uh, and Paul, uh, I feel as if Paul was amazed when he said, dare any of you, dare any of you go to the world to have your matters judged? Isn't that a wise man among you? Isn't that a wise man among you? Rather than go to the world to err, as someone has said, your dirty linen, Judge among yourselves. If you can't do that, far better suffer wrong. Far better to suffer wrong from an, another brother than to run to the world with it. Now again, may I, may I say, Paul is not talking about us not going to the world about other matters. As I said in our last lesson, the, even the Apostle Paul uh, stood upon his citizenship. I appeal to Caesar. Who's Caesar especially if it was Nero who put to death hundreds of thousands of believers in Christ. If ever there was an unjust judge, it was Caesar. Yet he appealed to Caesar, but it was not a question of his brethren. It wasn't a question of the gospel. It wasn't a question of what somebody had done to him or he had done to them among his brethren. But when it comes to brethren... Isn't that a wise man among you? You know, in the 20th century church, we've gone so far from that, so far removed from that. You wouldn't even dream, for example, of having your official board come and take some erring brother or sister and in kindness, in love, in grace, in understanding, deal with them. Not, not, not to knock, run them down or to discourage them, but to deal with them for their restoration to the Lord. That's what he's after. That's the purpose of discipline, as Hebrews chapter 12, 6 to 11 declares. Now I'm going to go on down now to verses 9, 9 to 11. Isn't there the reason why they should not go to law one with another? Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
me just stop here for a few moments. Notice the contrast between verses 9 and 10 with verse 11. In 9 and 10, you have the world. In verse 10, in verse 11, you have these Corinthians since they've come to the Savior. Are you ignorant of the fact? Have you forgotten your position and your relationship to Christ? Dare you go to law one with another? Don't you know? Have you forgotten your oneness with the Savior? Don't you know what the world is? Don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And you belong to one kingdom, and they belong to another kingdom. It's like you have it in Colossians chapter 1, 12 and 13, we remember, that God hath translated us out of the kingdom of darkness, where sin reigns, into the kingdom of God's dear Son, where love and grace reign. Say, friend, we belong to the Savior. We're in another kingdom. We don't belong to the old thing, thank God. Even in all their religious ceremonies at Corinth, they were morally corrupt, as I've said two or three times. And as I repeat it, because it's obvious here, these sins were not looked upon as being very sinful, and some not even a sin. Look at them. Be not deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Oh, there's a change taking place. Such were some of you. That's the way you were before the Lord Jesus stepped into the picture and redeemed you. And what did he do for you? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let me just stop here for a few moments. The contrast between verses 9 and verse 11. At one time you belong to this crowd over here in verses 9 and 10, but you're washed. Isn't it wonderful that when you and I came as sinners and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we were washed in the bath of regeneration, as Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the renewing of the Spirit of God. And we washed in the bath of regeneration, washed from every sin. My, what a blessing. What a blessing. I just love these verses, and I'm going to repeat them to you, my friend. And if you're not a Christian, listen to them. In Hebrews 9, 26, I read that Jesus Christ appeared once in the end of the age to put away his sin by the sacrifice of himself. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, this man, Jesus, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. In 1 John 3, 5, you know he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin was made sin for me, who knew no righteousness that I, 
who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 9, 12, he went into the holy place with his own blood and there obtained for us an eternal redemption. You see, washed, cleansed, forgiven. No wonder Paul could say in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And in chapter 430 of the same book, we're, we're sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And he goes on to say at the end of the chapter that we've been forgiven for Christ's sake. And in 1 John 2, 12, my little children, you know that your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Yes, and I love that verse in Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him all our iniquity. Wonderful, is it not? My friend, it's an amazing thing that God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect when God has justified them, when God has washed them, cleansed them from sin? This could be yours, my friend, if you're not a Christian. Wonderful thing that when a man comes to the Savior, just as he is, just as he is with all his sin and shame, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse you from all sin, all sin. So Paul said, you remember, you used to be outside the kingdom of God, living in sin and corruption. Now you're washed. And then he said, and not only so, but you're sanctified. What do you mean by that? You've been set apart for God. You've been set apart for the intimate fellowship with God. See, that was the purpose of the priesthood, by the way. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 on, the purpose of the priesthood was the perfecting of the saints of God for fellowship with God. And they couldn't do it. But this man, Christ Jesus, having died to put away all our sins, is able to perfect everyone set apart for intimate fellowship with God. You remember, pardon me mentioning this, but you know in the book of Hebrews, sanctification is always on the ground of the death of Christ. You take in Hebrews chapter 2, after saying that Christ died for us, and he said, speaking of the fact that God has given him a family, I and the children which God hath given me, and he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one. Of one what? In union in life, in union in purpose, union in will, union in glory. He that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. You remember he said that after resurrection in John chapter 20. Go and tell my brethren. You ever think of it? Excuse me, man, don't, don't, don't call Jesus your brother, will you? You never read brother Jesus. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Thank God for wonderful grace. But remember, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. 
you call him Lord Jesus. That's the place, that's the title he should have. He's our Lord. I'll even go further and say he's our master, he's our despota. Just the same as a relationship between a master and a slave, he's our master. Set apart for him, for intimate fellowship with God. You take Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By the which will, the will of God, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all, sanctified. Now I know there's a present place for sanctification, practical sanctification. For example, I quote a while ago, uh, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That's practical sanctification. Or in John 15, 3, Jesus said, you're clean, you're cleansed by the washing of water by the word. This is practical sanctification. You have the same thing in Thessalonians chapters 3 and 4 concerning our relationship to God, our relationship to the world, and our relationship to each other. We've been set apart for God. No question about that. So you have the two sides. We're sanctified through the work of Christ, set apart to have intimate fellowship with God. And then, says he, not only said are you sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Justified, what do you mean by that? It means that we stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ. No one can bring any evidence of our sin before God. Well, that brings peace, doesn't it? No one can come before God and produce any of your sins, my friend, if you're a Christian. No angel can do that either. You stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ. Your sins have been blotted out and you stand before him in the righteousness of Christ. You have two aspects to justification. The one aspect will never come before the judge with respect to sin. It's been settled once for all at the cross. Like you have it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He hath made him to be sin for us. Jesus to be made sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or you have it in first first Corinthians one thirty. For of him are you in Christ Jesus, who in the wisdom of God has been made unto us righteousness, sanctification, redemption. You, you have it again in Romans chapter three, verses twenty-one, right through chapter four, twenty-five, full of it. But now the righteousness of God is made manifest. It's not revealed by the law of the promise. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, it's unto all and upon all them that believe. Verse 24, being declared righteous freely by his grace through the redemption, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 10, 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And I say one could absolutely multiply the passages. Even in Isaiah 61, 10, you remember, God hath clothed us with the garments of righteousness. With such a standing, with such a relationship, 
Could they not judge among themselves instead of going to the unrighteous world? Now you get the background of this. Dare any of you go to law with each other? Stand before an unrighteous judge? Haven't, isn't there a wise man among you who can settle this matter? Wouldn't you rather be done wrong and be defrauded? Wouldn't you rather be that than go to an unsaved man, to a man who belongs to the kingdom of darkness? Once you belonged there, but now, now, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord. with such a standing and such a relationship, and I repeat it, could they not judge among themselves instead of going to an unrighteous world? You know, I can't help but tell you a little incident when I, when I read that 11th verse, for such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. And Dr. Harry Ironside, who was pastor of the Moody Church at one time, was preaching on this passage at a conference and uh, I remember him telling us about this. When he got through, a man came to him and said, Brother Ironside, you're wrong in your doctrine. Oh, said Mr. Ironside, where am I wrong in my doctrine? Well, he said, you said, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so on. You put sanctification before justification. Well, said Mr. Ironside, my brother, I was just giving you what the Bible says. Oh, no, the Bible puts it, you're, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, you're justified, and you're sanctified. You're sanctified after you're justified. And so Mr. Ryan said, well, now let me read you a verse from Corinthians. So he opened his Bible and said, for, for such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And the man said, well, well, well. I didn't know that Paul was wrong in his doctrine. You know, we get, we put things, we just put things, uh, we think it should go one way and no other way. What's he talking about here? The theme is not justification. The theme here is Sanctification. Having been set apart for God. And the time's going to come when you're going to judge the world and judge angels. Isn't that a wise man among you? Do you have to go to the world to be judged? Far better wait until the judgment seat of Christ. Far better suffer wrong and stand before Him than to go to the world and have an unrighteous, unsaved man judge between brethren. It reveals the fact that we have no wisdom. It reveals the fact we are not honoring the Savior. It means that we're occupied with temporal, worldly things instead of him who loved us and gave himself for us. I can't close this without saying, it may be I'm talking to somebody, who's in verses 9 and 10. You belong to the, to the world. Sin has come into your life, and you'd like to be cleansed from sin. You'd like to be forgiven every trespass. 
You'd like to become the recipient of eternal life. You'd like to become a child of God. You'd like to experience this. You're washed, you're sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you'd like to stand before God in all his righteousness instead of standing before God in all your sin. May I say the day of grace is still open. God today is still pleading with men to come to him. May I remind you again of Acts 17, 30 and 31, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set apart a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. I plead with your heart today, friend, come to the Savior. Isn't it wonderful that now is the accepted time and now is the day of salvation. It's wonderful. There'll be joy in the midst of the presence of the angels of God over anybody coming to the Savior. And he's waiting for you to come. Come while it's still called today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. You'll pass from death to life. And the Lord bless you for his name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.